When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Scootery F1. Mark Daly here. It is Sunday, August 27th, 2023. And I'm here to fly solo this afternoon to recap the uh, 2023 Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort, which ran a little earlier today. Before we get going, if you want to connect with myself and Mark Hamilton, my co-host, please look us up on Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it these days. We're at Scooter F1 Pod, and you can also find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts at Scooter F1 Pod. And if you could also leave a five-star rating and review and share our podcast with a friend, that would be really, really awesome. All right, let's get into it. Uh, a very, very hectic race this afternoon at uh, Zandvoort on the uh, the coast of the, uh, the the North Sea, and it didn't disappoint. Mark and I sat down on Thursday night. We uh, noticed at the time that the the weather called for wet conditions on both Saturday and Sunday, and boy, oh boy, it certainly did not uh, disappoint. It uh, certainly had some um, some issues when it came to qualifying because it uh, rained uh, beforehand. But that being said, we had uh, a front row of Max Verstappen setting an eye-watering time of 110.567, which is 1.3 seconds faster than his Red Bull teammate Sergio Perez, who qualified in seventh. He has Sergio setting a time of 111.880. But an interesting grid because uh, lining up on row one with Max, you had Lando Norris and McLaren. Row two was uh, George Russell and Alexander Albon of Williams. No, you did not hear me say that incorrect. Alex Albon recording a row two start for Williams, which is absolutely fantastic for them. Row three saw Fernando Alonso and his uh, countryman, Carlos Sainz from Ferrari lining up on row three, row four, Sergio Perez and Oscar Piastri in the second Mercedes, sorry, pardon me, the second McLaren, and row five was Charles Leclerc and Logan Sargent. No, you did not hear me say that incorrectly either. Logan, the uh, young American rookie, uh, qualifying in 10th in the second Williams. So very, very good for both of them. But boy, the rain was an issue all weekend long. And like I said, when Mark and I did the uh, the race preview on Thursday night, looked like we were going to get uh, temperatures of about 18 degrees Celsius, 65 Fahrenheit, and a chance of rain both uh, days. Uh, you know, the, the forecast was uh, virtually identical for uh, for both days. But Sunday, boy, oh boy, was it really, really chaotic. If I don't think I ever recall a race starting the way that it did. Cars were lined up on the grid to get ready for the formation lap. They did their customary lap to, to form up uh, behind the safety car. They come back around and... In the space of a couple of minutes, we went from a dry track to a completely rain-soaked and it was it was a it was a swimming pool <laughs> less than one lap into this thing it was absolutely incredible and we saw a little bit of uh, chaos uh, right off the very bat <clears throat> 
Some of the drivers not electing to go in to change on tinders, and some did. And some of those that decided to stay out were losing seven, eight uh, seconds a lap. Think of the, the McLarens, the, the uh, Mercedes, Lance Stroll, and the other uh, Aston Martin for for a couple. But those drivers that did managed to hang on to it. And again, the rain didn't last uh, too long, and we had a dry series uh, or dry part of the, uh, the the race afterwards. Then we had a second torrential downpour, about uh, eight or ten laps from the conclusion of this one led to a red flag and a delay of 40 to 45 minutes before we can finish it up. And there are a lot of stories to really talk about this one. But the the end of the day, what happens? We have a final race classification. Max Verstappen wins this one. Fernando Alonso comes home second in Aston Martin, his first podium for Aston since the Canadian Grand Prix back in June. Pierre Gasly starting 12th, ended up third. Then you had Sergio Perez finishing off the podium because he was given a five-second time penalty for speeding in the pit lane. You had Carlos Sainz coming home P5 for Ferrari, Lewis Hamilton in sixth. Lando Norris recovering to seventh after dropping well down in the order at the beginning of the race and uh, didn't get back up to close where he qualified, but uh, still managed to get to the points. Alex Albon managed to hold on for a points finish in P8. Oscar Piastri finished ninth in the second to McLaren. And then Esteban Ocon finished 10th to bring home a single point for Alpine. And that was a team that we've talked about recently being in quite a significant amount of turmoil and disruption this season and who recently parted with their ways with their team principal, Otmar Safnauer, about two weeks ago. All right. Well, let's just uh, very quickly uh, take a look at the uh, the driver's standings. Max uh, leading the way, 339 points. Sergio Perez, 201. Fernando Alonso, 168. Lewis Hamilton, 156. And Carlos Sainz, 102. Um, rounding out the top five. And then you have Charles Leclerc and George Russell, both sitting on 99 points in uh, sixth and seventh as well. On the uh, constructor side, getting interesting, obviously not for first. Red Bull, 540. Mercedes, two. 55, Aston Martin 215, Ferrari 201, and McLaren 111. So a lot going on in this one. Let's just go through and talk about uh, some of the uh, the different uh, stories that um, unfolded uh, during the race uh, this afternoon. But Max Verstappen equaled Sebastian Vettel's record of nine consecutive race victories at the Dutch Grand Prix this weekend. If he can uh, win uh, again at the next Grand Prix in a couple of weeks, then he will be the best of uh, all time. So it was not easy. I mean, I think it's a little bit misleading if you were to not watch the race, but uh, decide, you know what, I don't have time, I don't want to, whatever the case may be, and see that Max won this race today. You might do a little bit of a disservice to yourself because this was actually a very entertaining race. There were lots of, uh, you know, exciting moments and the weather really, really was chaotic and it was fantastic because of it. And I've mentioned before on the podcast, I lived for a good portion of my twenties in Holland. I, uh, you know, I come from a Dutch family my, on my mom's side. Anyways, I worked uh, in a town called, uh, or a city called uh, Utrecht, which is about 50 miles to the Southeast of uh, where Zandvoort, Zandvoort is right on the, the, the coast of the North Sea. And um, so Utrecht obviously isn't uh, right on the water, but the point is Holland is a flat country and when the weather comes in off of the North Sea, it can come in really quick and it can you know move on pretty quick and you can get some really, really nasty storms and that's exactly what we saw. 
It was interesting, though, because when we saw the rain start at the beginning of the race, I was surprised at how quickly it actually went from a dry start to the point that we needed to to go on to, or we, the drivers needed to consider seriously switching to intermediate tires before the first lap was over. That was... That was really quite, uh, you know, unique and quite, uh, quite chaotic, quite insane. But it really made for a, a really, really exciting opening uh, part of the race. There were obviously some losers in that, and uh, you know, one of them, I think, was uh, George Russell, who at one point, I think, <coughs> excuse me, ended up. Uh, <coughs> Dropping down to 18th or thereabouts, and George was on the uh, the, the radio, uh, you know, upset with the pit wall, with the engineers and with the team strategist saying, you know, I was forecast to finish, uh, you know, like on the podium in this one, and you know, <laughs> he was obviously quite upset about that. George, I'm afraid to say, you still have to put in the work, but. I understand where the frustration is because where have a lot of the teams um, reacted quite uh, quickly, bringing their drivers in. Some didn't, like Ferrari. They they didn't make any call whatsoever. Charles decided to make that call himself. Came into the pits, and they weren't ready for him. They had no tires for him. The one winner, or one of the winners, that um, in that early first uh, round of pit stops, uh, switching onto the inters, uh, was uh, Sergio Perez, who was one of the first cars to come in. Which uh, you know the the pit lane uh, obviously became very very busy quite uh, quickly. But Sergio was just taking uh, time and heaps and spades out of everybody else right at the beginning there and really set him up uh, nicely. Uh, you know, unfortunately for him, uh, you know, that didn't work out uh, later on because the, the team, the Red Bull told him to, uh, you know, save the, the, the tires because they were expecting another rainstorm to come on a little bit uh, later. Um Motorsport.com spoke to Perez after the race and uh, Sergio uh, discussed a little bit further saying, quote, we were expecting rain. The team was telling me that uh, there was more rain coming. The track was on the dry side. So if I were to push, I would just have to completely destroy the intertire, end quote. So there you go. I mean, uh, there's that. And then he goes on to say, quote, the inters were super, super quick. So well done for the team on that early pit stop. Unfortunately, we didn't get it right there. There was more rain coming on the inter. Otherwise, we could have pushed more on that first stint. Probably keep the lead for longer. It was chaos at the race start just for uh, charging, changing a lot. And unfortunately, the great call in the beginning turned out to be not so great in the end. It is a shame that in the end, we end up losing the podium because I really feel like we deserve it today. End quote. So, yeah, I mean, for for Sergio, that was uh, disappointing because it was interesting because Max, like I said earlier, he set that incredibly quick uh, pit time, or sorry, pit time, um, qualifying time to take pole position. And it looked like uh, this was going to be another race that Max was just going to walk away and uh, and win uh, easily. I mean, it was uh, there was a lot of work to do in some very difficult uh, conditions for Max and everyone else. But at that point, it seemed like Sergio was going to come out on top. And, um, you know, it. we, we kind of look at what happened uh, like afterwards, right? And Christian Horner was actually grilled after the race because um, when Sergio went in later for a scheduled pit stop, he comes back on the track to, to find out uh, that Max is in front of him. We all knew watching the race that, uh, that, uh, that, that Max had previously pitted. And the astonishment in uh, Sergio Perez's voice was actually quite interesting because he didn't actually know that it uh, was uh, was uh, <laughs> that it was actually it happened that Max had undercut him. So um, Christian Horner, team principal of um, Red Bull, spoke to Sky Sports after the race, saying, "Quote: It was a trick." 
tricky because when you're the first car, it is very hard to make that call. Checo pulled the trigger, made a great call, got in. The team reacted super fast. We got him back out. We then got in Max immediately. The others were surprised to, uh, to see stay out. And then, of course, Max started coming through the field so quickly. Checo at the front had pulled a good gap as well and was focused on trying to get a pit stop over the cars behind. So that was pivotal in that first part of getting the cars out right. End quote. So then um, they go on in the interview. There was uh, he was asked about uh, favoritism for Max Verstappen and the reason for undercutting uh, uh, Sergio Perez, who was leading the race at that point. And uh, Horner went on to say, "Quote: Well, there were a couple of reasons behind making that decision. One that was that we'd obviously had Alonso taking the slicks as well, and I think it was Gasly behind him. And the pace of the undercut. If we had pitted Checo first and Max on the second lap, we had the risk of coming out after that and shaken down as being first and fourth. The risk was for Checo because Max was catching." I think at seven seconds and three laps, his outlap was so extreme it took a slight leap by surprise that Max jumped Checo. So just so much happening in very, very variable conditions. End quote. So <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting, right? And I think it just uh, when you kind of look at it, you. I don't really see why there's any controversy behind that. I can understand why Sergio would be surprised, why he might be a little bit upset. But Max is the number one in that team. And the number one's always going to get the, uh, the the benefit of the call. I mean, you can see also from the team's point of view at that point, if they were to pit in that order, they would still end up with uh, cars in one and four, sorry, first and second, rather than in first and fourth. And that just, uh, you know, they'd lose that track position. And of course, they're trying to collect uh, the, the most po- amount of points possible. They want to get the best result possible. And this was the, the one that worked most favorable uh, to him. Anyway, so there was an interesting um, interview or an interesting uh, snippet here on uh, BBC.com by uh, their chief F1 writer, Andrew Benson. And it was just, uh, there was uh, some uh, talk about... Um, uh, there were some quotes from Fernando Alonso just uh, talking about what Max is doing is um, what he says is being underestimated. And this, um, you know, this unprecedented run of success that he's had this year, the nine wins in a row, all the wins that uh, Red Bull have had rewriting the record books. Anyways, uh, Christian Horner said, uh, quote, Max said, anyways, Max was untouchable. I don't think that there's any driver in the grid who would be able to achieve what he's been doing in that car, end quote. Christian Horner is obviously going to be a little bit uh, biased towards his own driver, but it's interesting when Fernando Alonso was asked the same question, Fernando had to say, quote, it is underestimated sometimes what Max is achieving. To win in such a dominant manner in any sport is so complicated. So to be at the same level as him, we have a lot of self-confident drivers in general, so I do believe that I can do it as well. I don't know about Lewis, but me, yes, and Lewis as well. Um, You need to enter a mood in a state that you're connected to the car. Days like today, I felt like I was at my best and was giving 100% of my abilities in a racing car. But maybe at the last race in Spa in Austria, I was not on that level. So you always feel that there's room to improve. And if you are not 100% happy with yourself as I am today, and I think Max is achieving that 100% more often than us at the moment than any other drivers, and that's why he is dominating, end quote. That's an interesting point of view, and I think that there's obviously a lot of it. I mean, Max has just been um, driving on such an exceptionally high level for such a very, very long time, and he just isn't really putting a wheel wrong. The strategies are right. And again, you get a combo of of an exceptionally good driver driving at uh, such high level, driving the best car with the best uh, power unit. 
and good things are, are going to, to, to happen. I mean, what's unusual about that, I mean, it's not unusual for drivers to to be driving at that level, but it's just the facts that Max has uh, been doing it for 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 so so long, and that uh, really is uh, the the unique uh, part about it. But it's interesting too because uh, Max Verstappen this weekend was talking about uh, the the fact that he really feels that the breakthrough that he had at uh, the Baku Grand Prix in Azerbaijan a couple of months ago earlier, because that was in late spring, that uh, really kind of like unlocked uh, the car and helped him understand uh, different things, has really set him up for for every race uh, you know since then and i thought this was a really interesting um, you know admission by max i'll read the quote here and uh, where max says quote i think i learned a lot from the race in baku how to do some different things with the car how to set it up of course i didn't win that race in baku but i actually really tried a lot of stuff and different tools in the car and that's why in the race it was a little bit inconsistent but at one point i got into a good rhythm with what i found i damaged my tires a bit too much but i was like okay that's quite interesting for the next races and I basically implemented that and that has helped me on every track so then he goes on to uh, talk a little bit more about uh, things and he goes on to say uh, quote it was a lot about risk management I mean when I compared to like a few years ago where I'm not fighting for the championship I'm driving completely different for sure but that's fine I mean even when driving like this I know that I have a car which is capable of a lot that probably helps to be a little bit more in control I guess end quote so it's interesting from a, a couple points of view, uh, and the first of uh, you know for me was the fact that uh, that Max says that he really didn't um, feel like he'd unlocked the potential or the learned how to set up the car as you know as well as uh, or as optimally as he wanted to as uh, recently as the the the, the Baku Grand Prix because Max has been on it or at least it's appeared like he's been on it right from the uh, the, the beginning of the year and just like Mark uh, and I have talked about uh, many times over the course of the season how much potential is left in this um in this RB19 in this Red Bull because I feel like there's still a lot that uh, could be left I mean Max always seems to have uh, more speed and at, at his disposal. The car has been very, very reliable. And, uh, well, I mean, if he's made it nine in a row, who's to say that he won't make it uh, 10 in a row uh, next uh, time out? Anyways, just going to stop here for a quick break. We'll come back on the other side after a quick message uh, from our sponsors. Going to uh, pick it up. Going to talk about Danny Ricardo. Going to talk about uh, Sergio Perez. Going to keep talking about Red Bull for a little bit. So please don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
All right, welcome back. Uh, time to pick up uh, whereabouts uh, we uh, left off. Uh, it was interesting uh, just uh, looking at the, the the whole Red Bull uh, situation. Uh, just uh, talking a little bit more about uh, Sergio Perez. I wouldn't say this is a was a bad weekend for him. It wasn't the greatest, but it wasn't as bad as some of the low points that we saw with the, with Checo earlier in the in, in the season. I mean, going into the summer, up until the summer break, uh, he certainly had some pretty pretty low, you know, some pretty profound deep points uh, with the way that things uh, were going. Anyways, to finish uh, P4 was uh, certainly disappointing because he got that uh, penalty for speeding in the pit lane and then uh, the whole uh, undercut thing and just uh, losing out to, to, to Max Verstappen and track position earlier on in the race. But I mean, it's it, it's frustrating. I do feel uh, a little bit for, for Sergio Perez. Uh, it was interesting because um, earlier this weekend, uh, Red Bull's uh, advisor, Helmut Marko, said that uh, in a German language inter- interview that uh, he was not 100% uh, certain or it's not 100% certain that uh, Sergio Perez will be uh, back at Red Bull in 2024 despite having contracts and Mark and I have talked about this for years that Formula 1 contracts are worth about as much as the paper either actual people or digital paper that they're printed on and we all know the history that um, that that Red Bull has. I mean, everyone from Danny Ricardo to Sergio Perez has uh, been in or out of that team at one point or the other. I mean, you can uh, bring up Danny Kvyat, you can bring up uh, Alex Albon, Pierre Gasly, etc. It's uh, been a big, big uh, role to fill, and uh, nobody's done a good job of it. You could argue that uh, perhaps Ricardo. Did Ricardo do the best? Has Sergio done the best? I mean, they they both have uh, won races. They both uh, helped bring home points and help win constructors. Well, not win constructors championships in Ricardo's case, but uh, Sergio is certainly uh, helping uh, do that uh, this year, and uh, and has done for for Red Bull. Uh, you know, got a lot of points over the time that uh, he's been there, and has uh, added to his own uh, success as well, which is uh, you know you know great for him. But it's interesting, uh, you know, contrasting to what Marco's uh, con- uh, comments were. After the race at, uh, at at Zandvoort at the Dutch Grand Prix, uh, Christian Horner has formally, formally, pardon me, confirmed that there are no uncertain terms in Perez's contract, or that he won't retain his seat, uh, despite everything that uh, Dr. Helmut Marko said. So I don't know, you know, take that uh, at uh, for for what it's worth. I mean, we we've seen that uh, they they've pulled the plug on drivers literally at the moment's notice in the middle of a season. So I really don't know what to read into to Christian Horner's comments, and I'll just read them out. And he said, uh, quote, Checo's situation for next year is clear. He's a Red Bull racing driver. We have an agreement with him. Irrelevant of agreements, we're pleased with the job that he's doing. You saw his drive today. He was unlucky with the pit lane speed limiter. Uh, and uh, he's second in the world championship. He's the only driver rather than Max to have won Grand Prix this year. It's easy to beat up him when the barometer is so high on the other side, but he will be our driver in 2024. Max is in a period in his career where he's simply untouchable, and I don't think that there's any other driver on the grid that would be able to achieve what he's been doing in that car. Being his teammate is probably, in some mistakes, the most unenviable job to have because the barometer is so high, end quote. 
road. And I suppose that could go for many, many other Formula One drivers. Remember, uh, if you've been around watching Formula One for a while, go back uh, 20 years when Schumacher and Ferrari were at the peak of Formula One. His teammate was uh, Rubens Barrichello, and there was no doubt in that driver pairing who the number one driver was, even though uh, that Barrichello still had his moments and did have some very good results uh, for, from time to time as well but uh, that was always michael's team and just like red bull is uh is max's team i don't know what to make of this um you know it's a kind of a little bit uh contrast you've got marco saying one thing you've got christian horner saying another you've got the, the 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 history which is in and of itself is uh is undeniable we all know what uh, red bull has done and is capable of doing if drivers don't measure up to their very very high standards but who knows M- maybe sergio perez has done enough i mean with that uh, whole conversation was kickstarted recently with uh, Nick DeFries being booted out of Alpha Tauri, Danny Ricardo being brought in. But then Ricardo had an accident uh, earlier this weekend, broke his hand, and is now going to, to be out uh, for at least you know, a couple of races, you know, he's only, this was his third race back after Hungary and Spa had a couple of uh, pretty good uh, races back uh, in Formula One. I mean, he hasn't been out for like five years or something like that. I mean, he was racing for McLaren only as recently as the end of last year. But I mean, he was, um, you know, he came back to drive the Alpha Terry, which is a car he was not familiar with didn't have the, uh, the the condition that the other drivers have who have uh, the, the the benefit of a half a season under their belts at this uh, point. Anyways, um, he locked his front wheels going into the bank three, turn three corner and then crashed into the barrier. The uh, steering wheel moved uh, rather uh, nastily uh, during the impact and he uh, broke a bone in his left hand. So he went off to, to have a, a visit with the doctor that uh, helped uh, Lance Stroll out at the end of the, uh, the off season when Lance had a cycling accident and broke his hand. But he's going to be out uh, a little bit uh, you know, before he can uh, recover. Then you have uh, Red Bull's reserve driver, Liam Lawson, coming in. The young uh, New, Zealand, uh, New Zealander filled in for Ricardo. Did pretty good. He uh, finished uh, 13th on his F1 debut in a pretty, pretty difficult race. With, you know, the uh, you know, Sanford is a pretty technical track. You have to add into all the weather, the fact that he's not used to the car. I think he did uh, a really great job. But the question kind of uh, goes back now to what's going to happen to Ricardo? What's going to happen to Sergio Perez? You know, is Perez going to drive there? Are they maybe looking at something beyond 2024, maybe bringing Ricardo back then? Who knows? I mean, <laughs> out of all the teams out there, and it's difficult to predict uh, driver lineups at some point. I mean, you know, F1 silly season and contracts and drivers moving around. It's called silly season for a very, very good uh, reason. But um, out of all of those teams, I would say that Red Bull is probably the hardest uh, team to really kind of get an indication of what they're going to do because they can be so unpredictable. I don't remember another Formula One team parting with the driver mid-season for you know, lack of performance. I mean, you know, if uh, you know, I, I'm happy to be uh, corrected, but I mean, they've done it multiple times and that's, uh, that, that's the point. And uh, I think that those uh, conversations are, I think they're just going to be natural at this point. You know, Ricardo could uh, do great for, for, for Alpha Tauri when he comes back. Maybe he doesn't come back and drive for them after the end of this year who knows you know maybe Perez you know goes on to finish the year strong and that would be good for him obviously but maybe he continues uh, to struggle maybe he has a bunch more bad results and I think the point is that regardless if it's uh, Sergio Perez regardless if it's Danny Ricardo regardless if it's Alex Albon Danny Kvyat whoever I think that whoever gets into that second seat at Red Bull and you have Max Verstappen hitting home run after home run after home run each and every weekend 
you know, figuratively speaking, and, uh, you know, winning all these races and championships, et cetera, that you get this uh, number two uh, driver coming in. And if they struggle, have a run of bad races or don't perform up to what everybody knows that this, uh, you know, the Red Bull car is capable of just due to the fact that we know that Red Bull is more than willing to part ways with drivers in the middle of a season, those conversations I think are going to persist for a very, very long time, but uh, very interesting to uh, kind of talk about it and speculate it, uh, speculate on it a little bit as uh, well. Uh, Fernando Alonso, as I mentioned off to the top of the show, first time on the podium since the Canadian Grand Prix at uh, Circuit Gilles Villeneuve in Montreal back in uh, June of this uh, year. Uh, They had uh, some issues with the the upgrades they put on the car actually kind of set them back but come back uh, after the summer break and it looked good you know I would admit that uh, Fernando qualifying P5 it didn't look great I was just I, I looked at that result and was like well you know it was a little bit kind of a tricky qualifying session fifth isn't great but it's not horrible it's definitely something that uh, you can work with fernando certainly uh, did uh, quite a bit with it and it was interesting too because uh, he 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 obviously faced all the same challenges that all the other drivers did throughout the race uh, with the weather and and everything like that but you had uh, fernando he uh, went in for a scheduled pit stop uh, at uh, towards the end of the race before all the the uh, you know the bad weather came and the the race was uh, red flagged he goes in and the uh, the mechanics have uh, trouble with the left front tire can't get it off is a long pit stop you have uh, carlos Sainz go by you have yuki sonoto go by and yuki was an interesting one because i was watching the the battle that he was having with uh, lando norris and uh, and lewis hamilton i was switching back and forth uh, between the in car cameras and all three of those drivers uh, for for quite a bit, for quite a few laps, uh, just to trying to you know, get a handle what, uh, what 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 might happen with that uh, situation. But at some point, uh, you know, Lando decides to get into the go into uh, to, to the pits uh, that he wasn't going to pass uh, Yuki because he get kind of close. He'd be there a second or thereabouts every once in a while. He'd close that gap to half a second or maybe a little bit less, but just couldn't really get the car into position to really challenge Yuki for a um, you know for for that position. I can't remember off the top of my head exactly which uh, uh, position was it that uh, at the time. Anyways, Lando goes into the pits. Lewis has a couple laps behind Yuki. He can't get him either before he goes and changes the uh, tires and then you get uh, Fernando going in has a botch pit stop ends up uh, behind Sainz and uh, and Yuki Sonoda and it was just interesting because where Lewis and where uh, Lando Norris weren't able to get by either well weren't able to get by uh, Yuki Sonoda at least uh, Fernando did so quite uh, quite uh, quickly so it was good to see that the upgrades that uh, they brought uh, to the car which was an updated floor and a diffuser so that really uh, did quite a lot uh, you know Apparently, the feedback the team got from both uh, Fernando and from Lance Stroll was quite favorable. So the the, the upgrades seemed to be working, and the car just looked uh, really pacey again. And that's the thing that we know that this uh, you know the, the the Aston Martin is a little bit uh, draggy, but um, you know they they've been the better. I wouldn't say the better of all the other cars, but uh, they've been you know second best more often this season than the, the not compared to to Red Bull and certainly Fernando Alonso has taken home a lot of podium uh, finishes this season until uh, you know uh, until after the Canadian Grand Prix which was interesting because the upgrade that they brought that weekend you know they were actually quite uh, you know hopeful that uh, and I, you know they were expecting that that was going to be a um, was going to be an upgrade that was going to do or perform quite well for the car and actually they they struggled right right up until 
the summer break. So you come back, get a new set of upgrades that go on the car. And at least for Fernando, it worked out uh, quite well. Lance, you know, struggling a little bit, uh, you know, stayed out there way too long. They didn't bring him in to put him on inters. You know, you're losing seven to eight laps, or sorry, seven to eight uh, seconds per lap uh, when you're on dry tires compared to the inters as a 21 second pit stop at uh, at Sanford. So you see you stay out for three, four laps longer than everyone else. You've already lost that, uh, you know, you, you've already lost the equivalent of a pit stop or more and Lance eventually uh, losing uh, almost a minute out there on the track, eventually recovers to, I believe was P11 in the end, which, you know, all things considered was not, not that horrible obviously wasn't great because the car is potential got a potential for a lot lot more uh fernando alonso though says that uh, he was actually considering making a, a late attempt to try and pass max verstappen uh before deciding to kind of like ease off and uh, just uh take the, uh, the 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 p2 at the end uh, fernando said after the race quote i did think about trying the move on the last restart but then i i thought maybe i kind of exit the circuit so i stayed in seconds um the energy in uh, Zandvoort is very unique. When this uh, race came on the calendar, I thought I would never experience a Zandvoort podium because I was not in a position to think about that. And today is going to be very special to share that podium with Max and Pierre Gasly. End quote. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Fernando obviously looked uh, pretty good out there. But, I mean, uh, if there wasn't a safety car right at the end, and that rain at about lap 64, I believe it was, 64, 65, was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. You could see the dark clouds coming in off of the uh, off of the water. You could see the the amount of precip that it was dropping before it even uh, made uh, made landfall there. But uh, as heavy as it rained in those first couple of laps at the start of the race, this was something magnitudes more. And it was actually quite uh, scary to see some of those drivers and the way that they were aquaplaning. I mean, Sergio Perez, he aquaplaned, uh, went into the tire barriers. And uh, well, that was, you know, certainly did help uh, Fernando. Plus, you know, there was the, uh, the, the, the five-second uh, penalty that, uh, that he had to deal with. So Fernando didn't really need to take that uh, position out on the track, but uh, was uh, certainly would have uh, taken it when it was handed to him in the way that it was. But you saw, um, you know, Joe Guan Yu go off. You saw Lewis Hamilton, Yuki Tsunoda, a lot of people just uh, aquaplaning. And uh, it was the only thing, and I wouldn't say that uh, I'm disappointed in it because safety always comes first. The only driver that uh, that went in in that flurry of pit uh, activity before they went to a full red flag was Esteban Alcon. He was the only driver to put on the full wet tires. So we never really got a chance to really see the potential. And it was interesting because Esteban was, um, I wouldn't say immediately on the radio back to the pit wall after making the tire change, but he was in pretty short order within a lap or two saying that that was the wrong uh, tire to go on. But when you saw the amount of rain and precipitation that was out there, it clearly was the uh, the, the, the uh, right decision. However, the race organizers, race control decided uh, that they were going to red flag it until situations were, were much, uh, you know, favorable, a lot safer than they were. Because uh, when you see cars, you know, fly off an aquaplane the way that they were, and some of them just, uh, they were getting no grip, the front tires weren't biting going into turn one. And they're coming out of that final corner, like the bank cornering down pit straight. They're not getting to 200 miles an hour, but they're getting pretty close to it. 
you're probably may, maybe hitting 180, 185. So, you know, 300 kilometers an hour, that's, that's, that's pretty fast. And then to, uh, you know, have to hit the brakes and go into that very tight, uh, turn one, the Tarzan corner, and then go in the, through the, uh, the, the twisty infield part of the, uh, the, the course and up and down through the dunes there. Certainly that, uh, you know, an aquaplaning car is not the situation that, uh, that, that, that you wanted. Anyways, uh, you know, the last uh, several laps were, were, were quite exciting. I, uh, you know, Fernando obviously thought he had a chance, but, uh, you know, it, it wasn't there for him. And certainly second was nothing to, uh, to be uh, ashamed of. And he certainly was very uh, pleased to get back on the podium and get back to what we'd uh, become familiar with because uh, Fernando was a regular on the podium much uh, earlier in the season season and uh will reclaim what uh, he believes is uh you know his uh do reward for the, the the car that he has and the uh, the drives that we've seen put in this year. Uh, an interesting uh, quote also comes from uh, Lewis Hamilton, who believes that uh, that he actually had the uh, the pace to challenge Max Verstappen in his comeback drive. Lewis didn't make it out of Q two, finished uh, pretty far down. He uh, you know he he qualified only thirteenth. He uh, ended up in sixth. Couldn't get past uh, Carlos Sainz at the end. Anyways, uh, Hamilton did have a pretty good uh, recovery back, uh, and also he ended up at the back of the field uh, during the race as well um so it was a challenging uh, race for lewis for a number of reasons so to finish up in p6 so that wasn't uh, wasn't uh, anything to to really turn your nose up at anyways uh, anyways pardon me uh, lewis had to say quote in those conditions, if we'd made the right call, if I had the pace to be challenging the top two, I think I would have been challenging Max, if I'm really honest, particularly when we got to the dry pace-wise. I think we weren't terribly far off. I'm not saying that we'd beat them, but I think we would have been close, end quote. So I don't know. That 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 is interesting. I mean, obviously, we'll never really know the answer to that question, just because the way that the, 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 the rain uh, did play that, that much havoc. But certainly, Lewis's car came alive in that final phase of the, of the race. We'll talk about Carlos Sainz in a minute here too. Um, but, uh, total Wolf, uh, the team principal at, uh, Mercedes was, uh, was pretty, uh, upset and disappointed too. Uh, anyways, he told Sky, uh, Sky Sports F1 after the race, quote, I think we stayed out catastrophically too long. We got it completely, completely wrong. And that's annoying because the car had really a uh, good pace. And then from there was just recovering as good as we could. Uh, if we have good pace, a fast race car and a mediocre result, even if it hurts. We saw at the end on Inter, George had Max Verstappen's pace and Lewis was very strong behind Sainz. He could have been much further ahead, but it's bittersweet because the result is just really bad. It's what we could have been, but that doesn't count in this sport, end quote. Anyways, um, Toto promised to review what uh, he called a subpar performance, saying, quote, we will review thoroughly and the situation is one is never one person or one department. Uh, it is uh, communications between the driver, pit wall strategy, the weather frog, and then all of us taking decisions. That was absolutely subpar from all of us. Uh, that includes me, and it's good when it hurts. When it stings, it sticks, and that's what you say. No, end quote. So we expect more from uh, from uh, Toto and uh, Mercedes and Lewis because obviously there was a, an opportunity to do much more. Anyways, time for another quick break. We'll come back and talk about uh, Ferrari and um, Alpine and McLaren. We'll do so in just a moment, so don't go away. I'll be back in just one moment after a quick message from our sponsors.
All right, welcome back. So we did see a, a number of DNFs in the the, the race uh, today. We saw Logan Sargent from Williams crash out. So that led to a, a safety car period. I mean, th- this race really had everything. <laughs> we kind of forget mm-hmm. that we saw the safety car as well because of uh, Logan's crash. In addition to the red flag and then uh, starting behind the safety car again, everything. It was just a chaotic afternoon. And uh, it uh, was, uh, for, for a fan, it was uh, certainly a lot of uh, fun to watch. Uh, another one of the uh, the DNFs was uh, George Russell, who picked up a puncture on the restart right at the end. And even if he changed that tire, he was going to finish right at the back of the order. So his uh, his race was done at that point. Charles Leclerc for Ferrari, another tough weekend for for Charles. He was one of the cars that went in, uh, you know, right at the beginning of the race to switch on to enters. Team wasn't expecting him. The mechanics didn't have the tires ready for him in pit lane once he pulled into his pit box. This was um, you know a decision that uh, that that he made at the last moment but you got to think that uh you know if everybody else is doing it that you got to be prepared to, to to do it and get to get the tires ready for for your drivers i know you got uh, tire uh, warmers and things like that but uh just uh, another bad uh, afternoon so leclerc he picked up some front wing damage early on in the race when he had a little bit of contact with lando norris's mclaren and uh, that came up as uh, the two were fighting for a pos- position uh so that uh, damage uh, triggered uh, some further damage underneath the car to the floor and uh, where it was struck by pieces of carbon fiber and uh, Charles he got a new front wing because in that little incident with uh, with Lando the end plate uh, on the front right hand side uh, was uh, broken off so when he pitted on lap 11 he um, actually didn't really <laughs> didn't improve on it Fred Vasseur the uh, team principal of uh, Ferrari said quote he damaged the right end plate and the end plate went into the floor and damaged the bottom of the floor um so th- that was a uh, well <laughs> that's it in a nutshell short but sweet from uh, from uh, Fred Vasseur but the thing was uh, Leclerc sorry Leclerc uh, he just uh, was not he just didn't have any pace uh, after that he um it cost him some 60 points in downforce, which is several seconds per lap. And he was just uh, getting gobbled up. He was uh, not a match for anybody out there. And uh, at, uh, at some point, uh, they uh, retired the car. And the, that that was that. Um, anyways, uh, Vasseur went on to say, quote, uh, I think it was the first stop from Charles that looks a little bit strange from the outside. But it was a very good call from him. It was a very late call because he was in the pit lane when he told us. But in the end, even if he lost perhaps seven or eight seconds in the pit lane, it was a good one. Because if you look, Pierre Gasly also had a step forward with this kind of call. So, But it was a good choice to stop on lap one. Uh, the drivers all saw the rain before us because it was into the last corner and he decided to pit. It was a very late call, but then again, I think it was the right decision because after the pit stop, he was in a much better position than before, even with six, seven seconds lost in the pit lane. It was a good call on that. Uh, if you're 10 seconds behind or five seconds behind when you do the call, it's much easier. I don't have to complain about this. It was the right call, end quote. So obviously, uh, Vasseur is going to to stick up for the team and the uh, the decision made by his driver the last time it just uh it just kind of seems like a little bit uh, on brand for Ferrari and uh you know their their team just uh, always seems a little bit uh, sloppy and disorganized and it's uh, it's un- unfortunate to see but I think that uh, uh Carlos Sainz coming home in P5 I th- I think maybe that's a result that gets a little bit overlooked after what we saw and what we uh what what we experienced on Sunday afternoon I mean Ferrari weren't really there in practice they kind of you know and 
the the race itself with with the chaos. I think that uh, that uh, Carlos managed to keep his car in a good place. He, he might not have been as uh, fast as Lewis in that last uh, stint there after the restart, but uh, he managed to keep in front of uh, Lewis Hamilton. And uh, I think that uh, he should be uh, very proud and very happy with the way that uh, that he managed to keep his car the way the you know on the track where it was and uh, get the points that he managed to bring home. And I think quietly that was uh, a very very good uh, result for 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 Carlos. Obviously, that's not what Ferrari wants. They want to be, uh, you know, winning. They want more points and things like that. But uh, for, um, you know, uh, for for Carlos, I don't think that was a, a bad result uh, what, uh, whatsoever. Um, McLaren was another one that uh, suffered from the, uh, you know, the you know, everything that uh, transpired at the beginning of the uh the, the 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 race when the the first um, bout of rain came, and uh, so he, uh, he Lando had a couple of things to say when he was talking to uh, in the interviews after the race. He said, quote, not too satisfied. The second half of the race was good. I think we did everything we could. We undercut a few cars and we had a rel- relatively decent race, but we just lost everything in the beginning with the decision to stay out on the slicks when it was too wet. We lost a, uh, a lot more than we ever should have done, uh, but that was pretty much not game over, but that just threw everything away that we worked so hard for yesterday. So a bit frustrating from that side, but we fought back well, just we didn't have the best uh, of uh, race cars today. It was uh, a bit too tricky and dirty air. We struggled uh, too much in the middle sector before we couldn't fight. I couldn't get past Yuki Sonoda and like Lewis Hamilton could do just one lap and get past uh, everyone. So plenty of things to work on, but like we said, our weaknesses yesterday carried over a lot to today and things to work on from our side, end quote. But Lando, you know, fair enough. Uh, appreciate the honesty and the, the, the admission there, but this is a team that has come pretty, you know, a pretty substantial way forward in a in a very very short amount of time at the beginning of the year this was a team that was struggling and uh, was one of the teams that was towards the back of the grid so all the upgrades that they've designed and and implemented and put onto the car has really made uh, a big leap forward we know that uh, that Lando Norris is a good formula 1 driver there's no doubt about that at this point that's just not up for for, for debate Oscar Piastri is looking more and more like the real deal as well uh, the, the the rookie having a pretty good season as well the last couple couple of races in Hungary and Spa were, were, were pretty good as well. Today was uh, obviously a little bit uh, challenging, but uh, a good double points finish for uh, McLaren as well. So finally, just going to talk about uh, Alpine. Pierre Gasly uh, breaking a two-year slump when uh, it com- comes to finishing on the podium. He did benefit, uh, obviously, from the, 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 the time penalty handed to uh, Sergio Perez for speeding in the pit pit lane but hey you know you take it any way you can you can get it and that wasn't to say that uh that Pierre Gasly walked into that result as well he fought out there hard all uh all afternoon he didn't qualify it was especially well and uh he, you know, he qualified in 12th to end up in three in all that chaos and all that bad weather the pictures that you see with Pierre with the big grin on his face uh is certainly you know he can feel more than justified in in, in celebrating that P3 because yeah, he certainly did a, a really, really good job to finish where he is. did. His teammate Esteban Alcon finished in P10, which obviously wasn't quite as good, but for a team that has undergone quite a bit of turmoil this year uh, with the, you know, firing their team principal and all other 
rearrangements with senior staff, uh, you know, a double points finish is certainly uh, good. Anyways, uh, Pierre Gasly spoke to the media after the race and said, quote, it's obviously very satisfying when you get a reward for the work that we're all putting in as a team. I think objectively, you've got to look at the sort of package that you've got in the, the this last year. With Alpha Tauri, we were nowhere near a podium position. We just didn't have the speed. I think this year we came close in Monaco, running in third position, and it was clearly a missed opportunity with the, the sort of extra stuff, which wasn't necessary. But it's sort of a season where you've just got to keep trying again and again. And there's going to be a point where things are going to uh, to click. And today it did. And it probably was the most challenging race of the year. There were a lot of obstacles. There were many moments where you couldn't have got it wrong. But as a team, we just tried to maximize that. And that's why I'm really pleased and really proud of the team because we haven't been really fortunate. But you've got to treat, uh, keep trying and keep looking at yourself and seeing the areas where you can improve. And that's what we've been doing. The top three in Spa didn't really feel the same as it was a sprint and I didn't get to, uh, onto the podium, but this one feels a lot better and I hope we can build up on it from there, end quote. So good work uh, from Esteban, Ocon, pardon me, uh, Pierre Gasly and uh, and uh, Alpine and also to Esteban Alcon, double points finish for a team where points haven't really been in abundance this year is uh, certainly a double points finish is a good uh, result for them. Anyways, I'm going to wrap it up uh, right there. Uh, Again, um, you know, I think this was the the, the most, well, it was the most eventful and chaotic and exciting race of the year. You know, it's sometimes really nice to get uh, the the, the weather as long as, um, you know, it's uh, done safely and properly which we saw today with the red flag being done, uh, thrown at the, 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 the correct time when the weather was at its absolute worst. Just the chaos of having the, the, the wet track and the rain at different times, not just uh, today, but uh, throughout the entire weekend, really made it more and more uh, enjoyable. And uh, as I also said earlier in the show, Max might have won this one, but this was certainly a race victory that he had to work hard for, as did every other driver. I mean, that, that was certainly uh, a, a lot of hard work out there. And there was a lot of great racing at Sanford today. There were a lot of overtakes. I have to see, uh, do do the math and see how it comes out and compares to some of the other races that we've seen uh, the, uh, this year. But certainly there was no shortage of uh, action out on track, a lot of overtaking up and down the race order. And that's uh, certainly what it's uh, all about. Anyways, um, time to wrap it up there. Mark Hamilton, that is. Well, we'll be back with me. We'll be back together in a couple of days to do our weekly news show. As usual, if you want to get in touch, send us an email at scooterf1pod at gmail.com. Tweet us at scooterf1pod. Pod. And that's a wrap. Have a great rest of the Sunday. Enjoy the rest or the start of your week. And we'll talk to you again in a couple of days. Take care and bye for now.